Welcome to the Wealthy, Wealthy, Wise podcast, where you will get to listen in on the thought-provoking conversations with countercultural business, financial, and money thought leaders, sharing their wisdom and insights with your host, Christina Wise. Christina Wise is a highly successful serial entrepreneur, real estate investor, best-selling author, millionaire business and money coach, and the founder of the Wealthy Wealthy brand. Christina has mastered the money game, and now her mission is to help everyone willing to do the work win the money game too. If you are looking to upgrade your financial life, stop worrying about money, and start living the fulfilling life you deserve, strap in, take a deep breath, and get ready to learn. This podcast will change the way you think about business, money, and wealth. Let's get into it. Welcome back. This is Christina Wise, your host. In this episode, I interview my good friend, Mike Dillard. Mike is a podcast host and author. He helps entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses of their dreams online. And if you live in Austin, Texas, Mike Dillard, well, he's a household name. We talk about money in this episode. We talk about how to make it and how to make a lot of it. And Mike really breaks it down to five or six components of what's required to succeed at a high level, meaning to make many zeros after the number one or some number in front of it. We talk about sales, we talk about networking, we talk about the PVL as he calls it, the personal value level. We talk about mindset, world-class skill set. The list goes on and on. Mike is hugely successful. He's very well known and there's no one better to learn from when it comes to entrepreneurial success and making really high incomes. Please enjoy my episode with Mike Dillard. Mike Dillard. Yay. I've been waiting for this conversation for so long. Thank you for being on the Wealthy Wealthy podcast. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, so we've known each other for a while and have become great friends, which that's my favorite type of conversations is having these podcast interviews with my, my besties. But what I love about you and what I really want to talk about in the professional space is a conversation that you and I have offline sometimes in this thing called money. And it's a great big topic. And it's a topic that we've gone through, we've gone down a few bunny holes. But one thing that I love about in the conversation with money, and I talk to all different types of people, you know, sometimes they're planners or advisors or, or authors or investors or whatever the case may be. But where you're uniquely different, (laughs) I think when it comes to this word called money, is you're so damn good at making it. And you can make money better and faster and easier, I think, than anyone I've known. So I'm really Hmm. curious what's behind that, that when it comes to money, and you even think in big zeros naturally that I find is an uncommon as well. So any thinking or thoughts about that when it comes to money and making it, why Maybe to you, it doesn't seem easy, but when you compare it to the rest of the world, you can just decide to make, I'm going to make 50 grand this month, you'll make it, or I'm just going to make 100 grand this month and you'll make it, or whatever the number is, is irrelevant. But what's behind that? What's behind this, the mindset of just going out and being able to make money like it's that easy? Uh, Well, keep in mind, we're looking at 15 years of building to enable stuff like that to take place. Right. Um, so I think the, the first thing is that I've never had any issues around making money. And it's surprising that there are a lot of people out there where making money makes them nervous. And I'll never forget this. Uh, a a good friend of mine who was a, a mentee many years ago when I was first getting my start. So I had a, a business that was my first business was probably doing around $5 million a year in revenue. I was in my twenties and I needed to hire essentially a CFO, uh, to manage the, the company's payroll and accounting and affiliate revenue and all of that other stuff. So I, I, uh, I hired my friend who was even younger than I was in his early twenties and he was very detail oriented and loved to keep control over a spreadsheet and a database. And I was like, this is great. Uh, and I'll never forget, we had our first really big product launch where we made a million dollars in a week. And the fact that there was a million dollars in cash sitting in our business account freaked him out, like literally freaked him out. Uh, he got super stressed, got a lot of anxiety and 
I couldn't understand that at all. I was like, this is a relief. We shouldn't have any anxiety. We've got a ton of money in the bank. So that was a really big clue for me that some people have some programming or, you know, some subconscious stuff going around uh, in their brain when it comes to making money. And if they do eventually find themselves making money, they'll find a way to get rid of it. They'll sabotage themselves or do something to, to get rid of that cash. So fortunately, I've never had that challenge. Um, the more money that we can make, the better. And I don't really have any issues around that. And then second, um, you know, making money is really just a reflection and a result of the amount of value that you're providing to the marketplace. So I've never focused on making money. I've focused on creating the best products that I can possibly create and then learning how to sell. And that was really the big turning point in my life uh, as an entrepreneur. I didn't make a dime for my first five or six years building a business. Uh, I was waiting tables, started in college, early 20s, literally failed at every single thing that I tried. And just observing the people who were having success, the one thing that I noticed is that they had all mastered something. It all become world class at something. It could have been speaking from stage. It could have been holding a sales event. It could have been, you know, selling people over the phone. You got to realize this is in the early 2000s. So this is before social media, YouTube and all of this other stuff. Uh, but they had mastered and become one of the best in the world at that one specific thing. And that finally dawned on me that I hadn't mastered anything yet. So that was the big light bulb moment. And I decided I need to figure out how to sell stuff because I was super shy at the time. I hated the thought of selling anything to anyone. And luckily, I ran into direct response and guys like Dan Kennedy, uh, David Ogilvie, some of the old time direct response marketers who used to write scripts for infomercials on TV or letters that they would send out in the mail. And I just realized that, hey, you could actually sell a product to another stranger that has never met you and that you've never met just through the written word, uh, on a website. And so I spent about a year, year and a half going through every single course and book I could get my hands on, on the skill of copywriting. And I would just write out letters by hand, letters that I knew had made millions of dollars. And I just internalized that structure and that format and the psychology behind selling uh, and that's what changed my life. That's what changed everything. So I wrote my first sales letter in 2005 or six, and it was selling a book that I had written at the time uh, that I sold for $39. I had it printed at Kinko's. And I put it up on the web and I taught myself how to use Google AdWords to send a little bit of traffic to that sales page. And within three months, I was selling $60,000 a month of that book uh, and was waiting tables at the time, quit my job at PF Chang's and within 18 months had a multiple seven figure business. So, so I guess in listening, I, I listened to two things. There is one is the mindset piece, which we know is so important. And like you said, you just don't have any issues with making money in your world. And, and the people that you spend most of your time with, is that pretty consistent that that's the mindset that, that, there isn't any really issue around making money? Um, I mean, everybody, I think, who's an entrepreneur becomes an entrepreneur because they're coming from a place of lack or pain or a desire to have more in life. Um, I know that's what pushed me into entrepreneurship is I watched how hard my parents worked for corporations. And despite the fact that they were both very successful, they didn't make very much money. And I didn't want that limitation put on myself or my life. Uh, and I saw that other people were doing it. So when I would come home from waiting tables at midnight, I would turn on the TV to decompress and I would find infomercials there from guys like Tony Robbins, right? And I was like, okay, there is another option here that I can pursue. And I just started reading all of the typical books that everybody does, Think and Grow Rich and you know How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I ordered those courses off the infomercials and it really just show, showed me that this is definitely possible. There's, there's no limitations to money. Uh, I think there was an analogy that a mentor told me many, many years ago where, where he's like, there's trillions of dollars flowing around us every single day. All you need to do is be willing to put your hand out and grab some. 
and it just took, uh, you know, money out of this box of this powerful, unattainable thing that's only for special people. And it's like, no, anybody can make it. And here's how, here's how to do that make something great that solves somebody's problem, makes their life easier. Uh, and then learn how to sell it. And that's always been the key and that's it. So. Yeah. So certainly I just, again, just the mindset piece is that, that it, it really is limitless, but for some reason people do box in that seems like there's some cutoff or some amount of value or self-worth. Do you think a self-worth piece is, is in sure. here? So yeah, how much for of sure. that, how much of that is in there that, that obviously your, your self-worth is like, Hey, a million bucks a week, bring it. Or, or is that it? Uh, well, it's interesting. So my self-worth was driven by being bullied in middle school and high school. So the story that I created back then was, you know, I'm not good enough for, you know, whatever reason, all the kids are picking on me and I'm not good enough to be their friend. So the motivation that that provided me with is I'll show them and I'll prove that I'm good enough. And the way that I did that was by making a lot of money and achieving a lot of success. So, um, that was my motivation. Other people have the opposite where maybe they come from families or in friend circles where money is shamed, where rich people are shamed, they're put down. Um, and then guess what? If you start to make money, well, are you going to be looked at in that same light and called those same names and maybe ostracized from your friends groups or your family, uh, judged and ridiculed. So that's a, a super big fear for a lot of people. I didn't have that cause I had already lost those folks, right? Like, um, this was the opposite motivation for me was to prove that I can do it. That I am good enough and, and, uh, and let that result speak for itself. So that was the mindset of someone in, you know, in their teens and twenties, but, uh, it worked. It was very effective. And what would you say your mindset is now? Is it, is it the same or is it motivated? Uh, is the motivation different? No, I mean, blended, blended with that is still the, the fact and the truth that in order to make money over the long term, you have to do it correctly, which means you have to really provide a lot of value to the world. And that's, uh, something that I talk about in a lot of my trainings, which is, um, what is your PVL, your personal value level to other people? And the amount of money you make is really the reflection of that. If you want to make more money, you have to increase your PVL and that's it. So how do you do that? Well, you, uh, first do it by acquiring other skills that are increasingly rare and that are more valuable because they're, they're rare. Uh, there's very few people who know how to do what I do or know how to do what you do, which makes our skill sets incredibly rare, which means we can charge a lot of money for them. Uh, and so how do you increase your skill sets or acquire those simple? You just go out and go to work and start learning, reading books, doing the tasks, making mistakes. And that's the, uh, you know, that's the gap. That's the, the three to five years that everybody's going to have to go through to learn, study, implement, fail, learn, study, implement, fail until you finally master that particular skill set. And then that's the opening. That's, uh, that's your opportunity right there. Once you've done that, uh, then really the world is your oyster and you just have to decide at that point, how do I want to use this skill? How do I want to package it? What kind of lifestyle do I want? How much do I want to work versus, you know, make, what is my ambition level? What are my goals? And then you can really just uh, design your life around what you want. And that's really how I've built my previous companies is sitting down and saying, hey, here's a problem that I have that I can't find a solution for. Uh, that's very good. So I'm going to go make the solution that I wish existed. And if I have this problem, then there's probably a really big group of other people who have this problem as well. Uh, so I'm going to share whatever I create with those folks and help them solve that problem as well. And that's been the backbone behind every single business that I've ever built that, uh, has, you know, been very successful. So, so based on what you're saying or what I think I hear you saying, would you, you're breaking it up into categories. One is that, I mean, with lots of entrepreneurs out there, solopreneurs, 
aspiring entrepreneurs, people really working hard, grinding it out, trying to make money, trying to make a go of this business thing. And they're just not hitting the numbers and, and just bumping up against the same wall. So are you putting it in one or both of these buckets that one, maybe there's a mindset or a belief system that, that is part of that struggle or hitting that wall where the money's just not, it's not coming in, even though maybe there's a nice value prop or a nice product or a nice service and, or is it just the skill set's not there yet? Uh, I would, I would have to think, I mean, there's definitely a retrain the brain component here that I think every single person has to go through and that it's usually the starting point. Usually when you get the inspiration to start a business or increase your income, you start with those basic mindset products and books when it comes to personal development, let's, you know, like a Tony Robbins type of deal where you start to retrain your brain to look for opportunities, to, to look for success, uh, to look at money differently. So I don't see that, you know, really being a big issue because I think most people naturally end up going down that path and they get it. The one thing that I see tripping that trips up people the most is that they're not willing to put in the work to master that skill. So, very few people would be willing to come home from work and then spend the next two to three hours reading a course, spending $2,000 on that course, maybe um, writing out sales letters by hand every single day for two or three hours for a year. Very few people are willing to do that. But if you are and you, you know, will take it to that level, again, you'll be one of very few people, one of a couple thousand on this planet who have that uh, skill set, frank, frankly, the ability to sell anything you want virtually. Uh, so you can at that point use that skill for your, your own products or for somebody else's. But that's what trips people up. It's an unwillingness or a laziness, frankly, to not go deep enough to become world-class at something. And I would suggest that folks really think about their personality type and what they enjoy doing and take that into consideration because you can find value in any skill. You can find a valuable way to, to portray that or deliver that. But if you master a skill that your personality type or your brain is not wired for, you're going to be swimming upstream, which is one of the reasons I failed for five years. So when I was, uh, in my early twenties, all I really had as an option back then was, uh, the network marketing industry. This is web 1.0 AOL CD ROM days. And so as a college student and post-grad, the opportunities to start a business those days were very small. Uh, network marketing was probably the best, which is why I went that direction. Cause you could start a, a business for like 300 bucks. Um, and the challenge around that was, you know, gosh, it was that it was not in line with the way that I was wired in my personality type. So if you want to succeed in that industry, you typically need to be a people person. That's why they call it network marketing, right? You're, you're marketing face to face. You're holding parties at your house. You're holding events at hotels. And it's a very people centric business. And the other big rule of that industry is all about duplication, right? Do what you're mentor is doing and following their footsteps and everybody do the same thing and everybody will get the same result. Uh, but again, if you tell me that, Hey, your success is dependent upon going out, handing out business cards, schmoozing people, shaking hands and all of that stuff, I'm going to struggle with that. And I did, uh, I failed at it miserably. And so I finally reached a breaking point where I was like, okay, I need to do something radically different here because I don't enjoy this and I'm not very good at it. Uh, and that's when I made a decision to look at that industry in a different way. And I just asked a question, what if I could get interested people to come to me and reach out to me instead of having to chase after them? And that really appealed to me. I was like, that would be great. If 10 to 20 people emailed me or called me every day and said, Hey, I like what you're doing. I want to get involved. That sounds awesome. Uh, so Pursuing the answer to that question is what led me to uh, master copywriting. It's what led me to write the book. And that changed everything. So 
uh, essentially deciding, making a conscious decision to build a business that was aligned with my personality type as a, a very introverted person who likes to work alone. I don't want to talk to people on the phone all day. The moment I made that decision and started to pursue that path is when everything changed. So I think most folks are going to fall into a very analytical uh, mindset or very creative mindset, uh, at least in my world. You're either the creative person like you and I are who's making the content, making the product, coming up with the vision, or you're on the analytics side and maybe you're doing all of the website development and management. Maybe you're doing SEO or uh, Google Analytics or split testing. Maybe you're running traffic like through Facebook or Instagram and managing those campaigns, which are all very uh, numbers oriented and detail oriented. If I pursued those skill sets, I might have some success, but again, I'd be swimming up upstream at that point and it, I wouldn't have achieved the results that I'd have achieved. So just take that into consideration when you start to think of what you're going to, uh, what you're going to pursue. Yeah, that's really great. One thing I'd like to talk about a little bit more, which is really, like you said, it, I find it to be a big missing piece. And like what you said, it really is a skill development. And, and for whatever reason, people just want to shortcut it. They just want to go straight to the money or straight to the success. It's like, dude, I've studied a decade for what I teach right now. I have half a million easy in the financial investment, let alone the time investment, bought every course, studied under many different mentors and, and experts and went to the conferences, went to the workshops, studied, read books, wrote books, you know, the whole thing to get good at it. And then finally it started working and like you said, applying it and then failing. Like, well, I guess I didn't quite understand it the way I thought I did because that didn't work. Well, that didn't work. Ah, that finally worked. But there's this, I mean, it was just an automatic knowing in a way that I have to go learn this. I have to embody it. I have to study it. I have to get really good at it. And it's going to take the time that it takes until the results start to prove out that I know what the hell I'm doing. And now I, I work to, but let me even back up a little bit, like something you said, but was, there's the idea of, of like an understanding that I have to invest first before I get the return later, mm -hmm. time, energy, and money. And it sounds like you did the same. So, but even if I'm with what you're selling and offering, what I sell and offer, how many times do you hear people say, well, I don't have the money or time to invest right now. I'll do it later. And it's like, no, you have to invest now to get what you want later on. So what do you say about that as far as the way people are thinking backwards in a way? It's like, no, the investment comes first, the, the return comes later. Yeah, you know, I think especially for the younger generation these days, let's say if you're in your 20s, your biggest challenge is going to be coming to terms with timelines versus what you're used to, meaning that generation has grown up on social media. So they are used to getting stimulated and having experiences that are now 15 to 60 seconds long, right? Like a 10 minute YouTube video to them is a big investment. So that's a really big danger that is going to trip up the vast majority of those individuals because the thought of reading thousands of pages for hundreds of hours on one single topic to master that, which is what is required is a foreign concept, uh, to them. And I think that that's why that they get frustrated that they, they're not getting the results that they are expecting because they see individuals like me or you or any of the other entrepreneurs who are out there in a public format who are getting the results that we're getting. And they're used to having instant gratification around everything. And so, uh, you know, again, it took me five years just to figure out what didn't work. And then another year and a half to finally figure out what did before I ever made a dollar. So you, I think at the end of the day, it's, there's the want to be entrepreneurs and the want to be wealthy. And then there's the people who are willing to put in the work no matter what it costs. And that's the category that I was in. Uh, when it came to whatever, what, what, when it came to what I needed to do in order to be financially independent as an entrepreneur and not have a job for the rest of my life, uh, the answer was absolutely anything. You know, when I had trouble paying my bills, I was scoping out uh, storage units that had AC where maybe I could put a cot in there and sleep in there and then, and then shower at a gym the next day and then work from a coffee shop. Uh, that was my plan B. And 
the rent I was paying at the time was 300 bucks a month. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's required. This is not, it's, you know, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was another lesson from back in my early days. Uh, the universe will give you whatever you ask for, as long as you're willing to pass the test that is required. And if you ask for the best life possible, one without financial limitations, one with as much freedom as you want, it's basically as good as it gets as a human being. Uh, the price the universe is going to ask you to pay to obtain that is going to be equally as high. And so you just have to come at this with those expectations that you have to be willing to do absolutely anything and everything for much longer than you probably expect or want to, uh, you want it to take, but that's the price. And the good news is that once you reach that inflection point and you start to get a result, the momentum just builds really, really, really quickly. And the time that you invested those five years, I mean, five years of hell for 50 years of freedom, you know, good investment. Yeah. Well said. Now, how much so you talk about the the skill development, the personal development, the professional development. There's a difference between even the professional it means you went and I'm going to learn this copywriting thing. and I'm going to become world, world class and you invested all that time. How much of the personal development of Mike has gone into this? Uh, in the early days, a lot, e an equal amount of reading personal development books, you know, chicken soup for the soul. I mean, just all of them. And I used to send out an email to, you know, subscribers of my newsletter with pictures of my bookshelves with all of the books and courses that, uh, I, I purchased and read. And that was probably two entire, you know, bookshelves full of stuff. And that was probably a 10th of what I'd consumed because those were the only physical products that didn't show the ebooks and the, the digital courses that I had consumed and gone through as well, which was the majority. So yeah, I mean, you have to do all of it. You have to essentially first and foremost, acquire a belief in yourself that you can do this, you can accomplish it. Uh, and then at that point, the skill set and learning, uh, learning those skills and, maybe building your website for the first time, maybe recording your first video, whatever it may be, every little stepping block gives you another tool in your tool set and it creates another little step of confidence uh, and momentum that moves you forward. And that stuff just snowballs and it, and it builds and builds and builds. And then you make your first sale. You can see that you can do it. And uh, at that point, it's you're 95% you're there, you know, once you hit that landmark. And how much was built in where you were just scared shitless to do your first video or start putting yourself out there publicly. And then you just did it anyway. What, what is that type of thinking or belief or self-talk or, Hey, I, I'm afraid that I'm going to look like an idiot or who knows what the story might be that's going on, but you just go do it anyway. And next thing you know, you're building a business and things are starting to lift off. You know, again, it comes down to that level of desire. Um, yes, this is super painful, but would, what would be even more painful would be quitting and relegating myself to a life in corporate America. So that was the scariest thought of all. Uh, I, I didn't enjoy having to push myself through that. I mean, there's, there's something that Tony Robbins told, you know, I learned in one of his courses that said, if you're not willing to do something for yourself, you're probably willing to do it for someone else. And I thought that that was really interesting because most people will do what's ever asked of them if they have a boss. If your boss tells you to go do X, Y, or Z, even if you don't want to do it or it's not comfortable, you're going to go do it. Uh, you don't want to let your team down. You don't want to let your boss down. Uh, you want to keep your job. So you'll go do it. But if the circumstances were different and, you know, I... Let's just use it as an example. Uh, you've got to go door to door every single day for five hours a day and sell an, uh, an air purifier system, which is what I, I did in college. Uh, the thought of going door to door terrified me. Um, but I spent all of my money to buy this demo product and I had to go sell it or I wouldn't make my money back. And I think I maybe sold one, but that was a huge milestone for me of just forcing myself to get past that limitation and that fear to go do that. 
Uh, and I didn't, you know, again, I wasn't very successful at it, but that was more evidence and proof that I can push myself further and I can keep developing. And then the big, uh, the big step where I applied that, that rule again was right after I graduated college and I needed a job. I was like, okay, if I'm going to put the time into getting a job and if I have to get one, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to learn a skill set that's going to help me reach my goals as an entrepreneur. I'm not just going to go get a job, you know, wherever. I've got to get a position where I'm going to learn something that's going to help me ultimately reach my goal of, of building a business. So uh, I started with my biggest fears, which was still at the time was selling. And so the first thing I did was apply for a job in Dallas selling, uh, gosh, corporate broadband internet services to the high rises in downtown Dallas. And that was a door to door gig with a territory commission only. And the thought of that was absolutely terrifying. But, uh, I knew that if I could figure that out and go door to door and get over my fear of selling in that regard, that would be a huge step forward in my progression towards my goal of building a business. So I did that and I did it for two or three months and it was absolutely terrifying. But, uh, you know, you do it two or three days in a row, that fear goes away. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm still here. That wasn't that bad. And so I went and did it again. I was like, well, now how do I get over my fear of calling leads on the phone. Cause that's really what held me back for those previous five years is I was just terrified to pick up the phone and call leads. Um, so I took a job again in Dallas recruiting surgeons and somehow talked my way into this gig. And they sat me down on the first day in a blank cubicle and said, here's uh, here's your phone list. And it was a binder like five inches tall. And your job is to make 300 cold calls a day to these specific doctor's offices uh, you know, around the country and to recruit them, uh, for position openings that we have. So, and that was it. It's like a blank desk, a phone and a binder with thousands of phone numbers. And it was just pick up the phone and go. So I did that. And by my second day, I was over my fear of the phone that had held me back for five years. So the whole saying of, if you're not willing to do it for yourself, maybe you're willing to do it for somebody else. It was definitely true in my case, because I was willing to do it for those bosses at the time. But Left to my own, uh, you know, vices, I would always find a reason or excuse not to go out and do it, right? So, uh, to me, those were two really big moments in my life that were, were pivotal towards uh, getting over my fears and uh, pushing myself forward, so. Yeah, I love those. Well, I, I hear so much what you're saying. So, we've talked about the mindset piece and just not having limitations. You've talked about really acquiring a world-class skill set and putting in the time it takes, the effort that it takes, and you can't shortcut that. Uh, there's there's no easy button or or quick hack or something that that you can just skip over and become world-class at something. I you keep mentioning the word sales and and it's such a a word I think for personally I think it's very important to money, <laughs> mm-hmm. making money. And, and it, it, it's part of a skill set. It's, it's not the skill set necessarily, but it is such an important skill set, I believe, in money and entrepreneurship and business. And it reminds, it reminds me with you that when this, that when I got into real estate in my late twenties and I just skyrocketed to the, to the top very quickly. And all these people that were much older than I were like, where'd this kid come from? And how is she just killing it in real estate? Well, I didn't know any better, but I started door knocking. I didn't have a network. I was 20 something. I just, mm. and my, my mentor at the time, his name was Mark Willis. And he said, just go door knocking. I like, what are you, are you kidding me? Door knocking? What do I say? I'm going to look like an idiot. And then same thing. And, but pre-internet, we had these crisscross directories where you just go through and try to find phone numbers to match names. And I was the first one in there in the morning or sometimes the last one just picking up the phone and just calling someone and say, hey, my name is Christina. Are you thinking of buying or selling a house anytime now or in the near future? Scared to death, but I didn't know any different. I was just told mm-hmm. to go do these two things. And and so I do think even like you at a young age, developing that and getting over the fear has just helped you know, for for the rest of my career. But how much do you think the word sales or the idea of selling or having to have a sales conversation and actually like a sales conversation, not a networking, like here's my business card, I hope you call me, but a true sales conversation. How much of that do you believe is a factor in making high incomes or, you know, businesses? I, I don't know of a single 
entrepreneur who hasn't mastered that. Especially when you're getting started, you're the only one. Uh, you know, sales provides the lifeblood for your business. Without sales revenue, nothing is taking place. You're certainly not going to be able to hire anyone. So typically that's going to be your number one job when you start your business after you create your product or whatever you're selling is okay. Now I got to, now I got to figure out how to sell this thing. So, uh, I, I don't know a single entrepreneur, at least in my world, in the internet marketing world that didn't master the skill of copywriting and learn how to sell online because that's the tool that we've all used to sell online, right? It's not like we're doing it on the phone anymore. Uh, it's how do we write? persuasive emails? How do we write persuasive copy that goes on a web page? How do we write persuasive scripts to say in a video or to use in a webinar? And so that's how we communicate what it is that we're offering and, and inspire people to pull out their credit card and buy our product. So I don't know of any other way around it. You can, you can be less effective at it or more effective at it. Meaning if you were selling, let's say website services, uh, there's definitely a lot of companies and businesses out there that need those, but are you going to make your life really difficult, uh, and, and have to talk to a hundred prospects to get a client, or are you going to make it really easy, master that skill set, and close, you know, one out of three? Um, when it comes to marketing online, it's all math. So, you know, for us, it's, it's uh, a conversion rate game. If I put out a marketing piece you know, on the online, and then I want to put ads and, and send uh, ad traffic to uh, to that sales piece. Let's just call it a sales webinar. Um, and if I haven't done my job in making a really persuasive webinar that's going to successfully sell my product or service, there is nothing anyone in the world can do, no matter how great they are at traffic, that will enable me to sell that product successfully. Um, if my conversion rate isn't what it needs to be, I might spend $2 on ads and only make back a dollar. Well, great. I'm out of business. On the other hand, if I do do my job, I might spend $2 on ads and make back $5 in revenue. Well, great. I've just, you know, more than doubled my money and I'm in business. So all of that result, all of those results comes down to my effectiveness at putting together a sales presentation that converts. So that's really what I focused on is creating the best quality product in the world that I can to solve a specific uh, group of people's problem. And then a sales pitch that will successfully convert traffic, uh, you know, for that product. And that's the winning combination that you need in order to do the kind of numbers that, you know, that I've done in my businesses. So. Yeah. And again, it's something that and what I've noticed is the word sales is something that is like a four letter word that, that people don't want to go there. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I call it marketing these days for the same reason I put sales under the umbrella of marketing. I think marketing is just a longer tail, longer tailed experience. That's a part of the sales process. But, uh, no, if you, if you look at sales, well, I'll put it to you this, to, I'll put it this way. If you really believe in your product or your service and that it's going to actually help people and solve their problems, you should feel obligated to do everything within your power to get it in their hands and persuade those people to buy it because you know it's going to help them. So, uh, you know, for me, that's never really been an issue. Uh, we sell $1,500, $2,000 courses every day on, on these different skill sets. And I know it's the single best course out there in the world for people to learn those skills. But at the end of the day, I can't force them to take action on it. I can inspire them to, but I can't force them to. Um, and at the same time, the people who do use the information and put in the time and the work uh, have had their lives completely changed. And they've built seven, eight, nine figure businesses as a result. So I don't, uh, you know, Sales is a four-letter word to people who associate sales with people, a person taking advantage of another person. I'm going to assume that everybody who's watching this, that's not even a part of their DNA or, or their mindset. And so uh, I would feel guilty if I wasn't doing everything to, to sell my products as feverishly as I possibly could because look at what it's done for the folks who've bought it. 
so if that's a different way to think about it for everybody, that, that might help them out a little bit. Yeah, and I've thought about it as well, that if there are other competi- competing, let's say, products out there that don't, that aren't as effective, that aren't as transformational, that haven't put in the level of work that I have, and but they're outselling me with an inferior product, then that's doing a disservice. So wouldn't I want to get better at sales to sell something better that's going to produce better outcomes for the people that are willing to make those types of investments? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again... I don't know of any other way uh, for someone to build a business without mastering that first, again, because you're going to be starting by yourself with your computer and you can't grow. You can't do anything until you're bringing in revenue and selling your product. So to me, that's the foundational skill that everybody needs, no matter who they are or what they're doing. Uh, You're going to need to know how to sell employees when you hire those folks and maybe inspire them and sell them on why they should leave their current job and come work for you. You might need to um, sell VCs on why they should invest in your business. So it's a skill set that applies in every single area of your life once you uh, once you acquire it. Great. Well, there's something else that, you know, the name Mike Dillard, no matter where I go in the country and whatever groups I'm sitting in, inevitably your name comes up somewhere uh, somehow. And so you know, you're just, a, you're almost a household name in, in some of these networks I'm involved in. So that didn't just come out of the blue. What I noticed as well about you, and I just, I'd assume, you know, a lot of people that, that, you know, that you spend time with your network, you're always going to the next mastermind. You're making an investment. I mean, I can't even, I'm always asking you like, where are you now? Where are you now? Well, I'm in a mastermind in San Francisco, or I'm in a mastermind in Mexico, or I'm in a mastermind wherever you are. So how much so you're still learning, you're still growing, you're still building these relationships from, from you're still learning, even though you're a master of your game, you're still learning and acquiring skills from those that are learning also, or that you would look up to or, or blend and collaborate with whatever that might be. But is that different as well? Do you, do you distinguish this, this like between those that are really successful in making money and and growing their businesses to the level I think most entrepreneurs aspire to. Do you see that different as well as making those types of investments? No. When I first figured out that whole skill piece, skill piece and the fact that I needed to master something, and then I got the result from that, and all of a sudden I'm, I went from waiting tables to a seven-figure business, I was like, okay, this clearly is effective and it works. So uh, – it was very apparent to me that there's a direct relationship between the amount of money I invested in myself and the amount of money that I would then make. So the more money I put into learning and mastermind groups and products and courses, the more money that I made period, like it's directly related. So I would try to spend as much as I could every year on my education, 25 grand for mastermind here, 10 grand for an event there, $2,000 for this course. And you know, I would routinely spend $30,000 a month on stuff like that um, because it just made me even more money. So that continues to this day. And in fact, I think it's even more important than ever. What has really become apparent to me over the last three to four years is that my world, the world of marketing, is changing at an exponential pace. You know, we didn't have Instagram four years ago. Uh, Facebook ads is a fairly new thing, you know, seven, eight years, eight years old. Um, and the changes that are taking, taking place just in our world with the tools that are coming, uh, coming online, like chatbots and AI bots and all of this other stuff, it's super difficult to keep on top of, even for someone who's been in this industry for 20 years now. So I have to keep, uh, keep learning and keep attending these events because you will get left in the dust in 12 months, literally 12 to 18 months. I guarantee you there's going to be a new, uh, you know, website or platform or form of media, uh, that's, that doesn't exist today. And if you're not taking advantage of those new technologies that are bringing more efficiencies to the market, more efficiency to how you acquire your customers and your competitors are, then you're toast. So it's going to be really interesting in the fact that 
um, the, you know, if, I, I guess a great example of the entrepreneurs who've taken full advantage of social media over the last four years, let's, let's just use really visible examples like Ty Lopez or, um, Andy Frazella, uh, you know, Grant Cardone, they all went in with two feet into social media where other entrepreneurs like myself who are like, ah, I don't want to put myself out there every day on a video like that. I just, I just feel silly doing, doing that. It doesn't seem very efficient. Uh, they crushed everybody like their businesses, 10, 20 X within two years because they took advantage of those new tools and platforms. They put in the work and they mastered them. And then the other entrepreneurs like myself and Frank Kern and my buddy Evan and a few of us who are very introverted, we pushed back against that for years. And finally, within the last 12 months, we all came to the same conclusion that, hey, if we don't embrace these new platforms and these new forms of, uh, of media, we're going to be irrelevant in a year or two, period. These other, other individuals own the conversation. They own the relationship. They own the attention. And if we're not putting ourselves in the same mix, then we're not going to be relevant. Uh, so those changes are happening faster than ever before today. And you have to, you have to take advantage of those. You have to school yourself on how to use them. You have to master those, uh, or you're going to, you're going to be in the bottom 10% of your industry. Well, thank you for that. That's, uh, as you've been coaching me, Christina, you need to get out there more and on these social channels and the new media. So I'm hearing the message. But I'm really working here because I've known you for a while and, and I just know how successful you are and I know the circles you travel in and, and I know your identity and, and so I'm really working for the listeners to pull out these things I've seen in you that yeah. really are these success traits that I think can be identified. And I'll go back again. Mindset piece, huge, world class skill set. This willingness, like I said, to invest first, You're, you've invested tens of and hundreds of thousands of dollars to make millions, but it's that willingness to invest first that I think is really important for people to understand is that that investment, always you have to invest first and there's no guarantee. And again, there's not an automatic return off that one mastermind or that class. It's, it's many of those or maybe getting a nugget here and there, but build, going to get the education letting that percolate, build on other type of knowledge, but building those relationships and, and those identities and those circles. So I just think it's such, it's so important for everybody listening to hear like, yes, you've made huge investments financially and time-wise to get where you are by constantly learning and writing big checks for 25 or $100,000 masterminds. Yeah. And the hardest part is when you're broke at the beginning. You know, if you're making 500 grand a month, great. $25,000 for a mastermind, not a big deal. Uh, the hard part is choosing between buying a couch to sit on in your living room or a course, which is the the decision that I had to make often uh, when I when I left uh, when I graduated from college and moved into my that three hundred dollar a month apartment in California. Um, I didn't have any furniture. I had my my desk in my bed from college and. Uh, a little TV stand with a little old TV and uh, my, the chair that went under my desk. And that was it. My living room was completely empty in that one bedroom apartment. Um, and it stayed that way. I had, I had uh, two bowls, two plates, two forks, two knives, two spoons. That was all that was in my kitchen. Uh, I ate a Taco Bell most of the time or, uh, you know, dollar dried spaghetti boxes or ramen uh, with frozen vegetables and, you know, uh, maybe the clothes were getting a little worn out and the decision was a new shirt or another book. And I always chose the other book. Uh, so that went on for five years. And I think most people are just unwilling to pay that price. They don't have the drive and the determination to go through that pile of shit, uh, for five years and to keep faith and hope alive and, and to continue that, uh, for that long, especially because your friends and family members are going to start to tell you you're crazy. And why are you putting yourself through this? And why are you doing that? And again, that's the universe just testing you. Do you really deserve this? How bad do you want it? And the answer is I'm willing to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes until I get it. And that's the only thing that works. So if you don't have that level of determination and drive, 
there's nothing I can tell you otherwise that's going to help. It's required. Uh, so. And then another thing I know about you is, again, even though you're an introvert, you're still a relationship guy. I mean, you just build these great relationships. You really do lead with heart. I know how many favors and so much help you've offered me with asking none, nothing in return. You're just such a giver at this, you know, at the same time of, of out there generating and creating and making money and building new products and all the stuff that you do and learning and investing and attending and, and mm -hmm. teaching and you're, all these things. And at the same time, you do have such a giving spirit. How much do you, of that do you factor into the overall equation of, of your success? Um, I, I just picked up somewhere at, along the, the path at some point that an abundance mindset is infinitely more powerful than a scarcity mindset. And it kind of just cracks me up. Like I'll watch shows like Billions. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of uh, the TV show Billions and how the characters in there are always making power plays against each other, trying to harm their competitors, trying to tear this person down or screw them over somehow. And it makes for great entertainment. But what's really funny is that that's how a lot of people operate in the world. And uh, personally, I wouldn't want to live like that. That seems like a really horrible way to live on a daily basis. Uh, but second, from an abundance mentality, again, it just comes back to the fact that we're living in an infinite world. And I don't see myself as having any competitors. That's a big question that a lot of people have when they first getting started is, how am I supposed to build a business in this industry? Let's, let's take nutrition or fitness, for example, which is one of the most competitive in the world. There's thousands of people who are selling weight loss products or services or courses or whatever it may be. And yet, uh, and it's been that way 20 years, and yet every single month there is somebody new starting from scratch that's building a business in that industry that will eventually turn that into a seven, eight, nine-figure business uh, that didn't exist a year ago. And so... Why is that? And bottom line is, it's an abundance mentality. It's understanding and knowing that what you're bringing to the market, it's going to have its own unique little twist on it, that people are going to be attracted to you and your personality type, the way that you look, your story, um, whatever they, they have in, in common with you or whatever you have that they aspire to have that's going to be unique and only, uh, only you're going to have. And... Uh, at the end of the day, you realize that there's only one of you in the world, so there is no real competition. Um, you can't be Mike Dillard. You can't be a better version of me than, than I am. And so I'm not competing with the other you know, gurus or experts in my industry. I'm just trying to be the best version of me that I can and to focus on helping the people I want to help to the best of my ability. And those people will find me. It just happens automatically. So I think that's a really important you know, lesson that people need to keep in mind is they're like, man, there's so many other people doing what I want to do. The opportunity has gone. No, it means that the opportunity is massive. That's why there's so many people doing it already. You don't want to have an idea and look out in the world and say, wow, there's nobody, there's nobody who's doing this. That's the riskiest type of business you could ever start. If there's nobody selling what you want to sell already and there's not a, a big customer base for it, it's for two re one of two reasons. One, somebody else already tried and failed and there is not a market for that particular type of product or service and you should stay away. Uh, or two, it is genuinely a brand new idea like let's say Uber or Airbnb and it has the potential to be a billion dollar unicorn. 99% of the time, it's going to be option number one, which is it's not that great of an idea and there's really not a market for it anyway. Uh, and putting all of your eggs in that basket is super risky compared to saying, oh, I'm going to go into fitness, which is hundreds of billions of dollars a year in sales. And I'm going to, I'm going to pull out 0.01% of that market and capture that 0.01%, which is $10 million a year. And I'm going to build a $10 million a year business. So. All right. A couple more things here in this, you and I have bumped up against this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm saying which, which disaster are yeah, you Yeah, Which one to? exactly? Which one? Yeah. Yeah. Which one of my disasters? Let me, I've got a long list of disasters and failures, but 
the the trading health for wealth piece and and really just the sometimes if we're too focused on the success the achievement the money blowing it all out adrenal lifestyles no stop button sometimes it can uh uh hurt our bodies and break us in a way that we weren't really anticipating so where do you factor in like that's why even at the wealthy wealthy brand I had to learn my hard way that oh my gosh my body really is my number one asset and and it does have limitations. There is some finite to my body and maybe not my mindset but my physicalness, yes. So anything there that you'd want to share that has been part of the the life journey of Mike Dillard when it comes <laughs> to money and business? This is a whole other podcast. Um yeah, uh, I mean, this this is literally a whole other podcast. So, if folks are familiar, are they familiar with your story? I'm They're assuming you've shared familiar it. Familiar with mine, yes. Uh, so basically, the exact same thing uh, happened to me that happened a, a year ago uh, this month uh, that happened to Christina. So, I've been going through that for uh, 12 months now, and you've been my guiding light uh, and. Uh, you know, biggest supporter in that regard. And that was an unexpected deal. Looking back in hindsight, I could see the signs that were building up that I was under too much stress and that my body was not handling it well anymore. Um, but it was a, an overnight deal. Like, uh, one day I was working and the next day I will, I wasn't, uh, and, uh, you know, a week later, almost, almost died. And it was just a, uh, the way I put it is that life took a two by four to me because I wasn't paying attention. And it was when I was, let's see what, 40 years old. So it's like, boom, you hit that 40 year old milestone and your body, you're driving your body. Like you still are in your twenties. For me, it was nonstop. It was wake up every day, caffeinate, stress, stress, work, work, stress, stress, uh, free time. Okay. Let's go play some competitive video games and then let's go race cars on the weekend. And, uh, and then at night, you know, we'll turn off by having a couple of drinks or a couple of glasses of wine at dinner and then wake up caffeinate again and just repeat that process for 15 years straight. Um, it worked fine until it didn't. And again, in hindsight, I could see, I could see the signs now. Um, but if you don't have any any context to appreciate those signs and to to understand that they were warnings and what they would turn into, then you don't really pay attention to them. One of your jobs as an entrepreneur is if you have $100,000 a month in payroll, uh, you've got to make it. But there are, there are no other alternatives other than firing the people who've worked for you for 10 years that you love and care about. And so that's not an option. Uh, so you grind and you grind and, and, and push and do whatever is required, uh, in order to, to keep the, the machine moving forward, uh, until, you know, you get hit by a two by four, which is, which is what happened in my case. Uh, so that was an unbelievably valuable lesson. It was the single biggest challenge of my life and I'm still coming out of that. But, uh, what it's taught me has been, uh, just as valuable uh, you know, the level of challenge with the level of value from the lessons learned are, are definitely equal. Um, so yeah, I mean, the biggest piece of advice that I can give, give folks is just be aware of the signs that your body is giving you, you know, for me months leading up to that event that day, my jaws would, was starting to get really tight and locked up all the time. And I'm like, why is my jaw just clenched? Why am I needing to drink you know, three cups of coffee every morning just to get into a state where I, I have enough energy to work. Uh, why is my sleep getting worse and worse and worse? Um, and just being aware that you've got two options at that point. It's listen to the soft little nudges or keep pushing and wait until it runs you over with a truck. Uh, in which case your life is going to be radically changed or it could end. Um, and I've had, unfortunately, some friends of mine who are my age or younger live the life of an entrepreneur under these levels of stress and not make it, you know, died of cancer or, or uh, you know, something else. And um, it's very real. 
It is very real, and we can't be in the game when our body not, <laughs> is not healthy, so it just takes you out of the game, and, and that means we can't impact and, and do our great work in the world, so body number one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I'll ask one more question that I complete my conversations with my guests with is, is to just do a little bit of myth-busting. Is there any mm. myth out there that you bump up against quite frequently that you would like to bust? Yeah, you know, the first one would, would be that, that one about competition. There's already too many people doing this total myth. It's actually a really good thing. Uh, the second is I've got a, a, a great product, but I don't know how to get traffic. So if you want to sell a lot of your product or service online, you need two things. You need uh, a sales funnel that people can go through that'll tell them about your product or service and ask them for a credit card. Uh, and then two, you need a bunch of eyeballs. Specifically, you need the right kind of eyeballs, uh, you know, meaning um, you need to put your product or service in front of your target audience, in front of people who are interested and who already buy what you're selling, maybe competing products or services. And the most obvious analogy that I use around that is um, if you run a steakhouse and you're advertising to vegetarians, you're not going to be in business long, right? So the big myth is that people think traffic is this mysterious thing that they have no control over and that they need to get and that they can't build a business without it. And that, uh, again, it's, it's outside of themselves. What people don't understand is that traffic is a non-issue. It's completely irrelevant and it takes care of itself. If you will do one thing, which is to put together a marketing campaign and a sales page that will successfully sell your product and convert visitors that you do get into paid customers. So if you just focus on that, uh, the traffic takes care of itself because there are literally hundreds of people who do nothing but run traffic campaigns, Facebook ad agencies, Instagram ad agencies, YouTube ad agencies. And they are looking for individuals like you and I all day long who have a great product with a great converting sales pitch that they can then send tons of traffic to and they'll charge you a fee to do that. Um, but you know, for the last 15 years that I've been in business, I've never run any of my traffic, uh, at all because that's in a completely different specialty. It's a completely different skill set that somebody has spent again, three, five, 10 years mastering. They're the best in the world at what they do. So I'm just going to let them do what they do. Uh, but in order for them to be effective, they need me to do my job first, which is to give them a marketing campaign that converts. So I am introducing you to my friend, Kurt Malley, who runs my traffic. Uh, he's here in Austin as well. And the first question that Kurt has, um, you know, if I were to send him a referral is, do they have an offer that converts? And if they do, if you do, then he can do his job and make everybody involved a ton of money. Uh, so traffic is a non-issue. You don't have to worry about it. Make a great product, learn how to sell that product effectively. And, you know, you can literally at that point outsource traffic to an agency who will make you a household name, uh, you know, in a, in a really quick, in a really quick way. I'll never forget one of the last stories I'll share with you real fast. It was, um, the biggest company I, I ever built. I launched in the beginning of 2011 and it was a financial education company. Uh, on really learning how to invest like wealthy people do. And that webinar that I created for that converted like gangbusters. And so I had a ton of traffic agencies putting my face everywhere. And uh, I would get recognized at the mall, at the grocery store. And it was so funny, I'll never forget, I was at the St. Regis in Denver one night and I ordered room service uh, and um, for dinner, went, answered the door in my robe and in comes the guy and he just looks at me funny. He's like, holy smokes, I have all of your books. <laughs> so um, that was just, it was just really odd. But I just want people to understand that traffic is not a problem. Having an offer that doesn't convert is your problem. If you fix that, you're a couple of weeks, a couple of months away from a seven to eight figure business. Well, that's brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Your time is really valuable and you're sharing it with all of us. Uh, I'm saying thank you for everyone. So thank you. Thanks for the friendship. Thank you for doing what you do. And thank you for being here with us today. Yeah, of course. My Appreciate pleasure. You, Mike. 
If you're inspired by today's show and you would like to learn more about my money coaching, here's what I need you to do. Head over to christina.com forward slash call. That's K-R-I-S-S-T-I-N-A.com forward slash call and book an appointment to speak with me. In less than 30 minutes, we will get absolutely clear on why you're not earning enough no matter how hard you work, why you can never get ahead no matter how much you earn, and what you need to know in order to finally have the time and money freedom you're working so hard for. Remember, you're not alone. 95% of Americans are one life event away from financial crisis. I will be the first person to teach you why this is the case and how to be in the other 5% that has no fear around money. No one can do this alone. You need expert help. I've helped everyone from modest earning professionals to those earning eight figures per year get off the financial hamster wheel and finally win the money game. I look forward to helping you too. Head over to christina.com forward slash call and book your call with me today. I'm Christina Wise. Thank you for spending your valuable attention with me today. We will meet again soon.